Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Bremner goes down the short side, turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who Lead. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who League. I'm your host, Mary Kay, and looking forward to introducing you to my panel this morning. Good morning, Lynn McGranger from Home and Away. Oh, good morning, Mary. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm great, darling. I'm fabulous. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming in for all your support of Ladies Who League. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm very excited to meet you guys and uh, to be part of it. Thank you. No, that's okay. And we've also got James Brown. Tracy from Channel 9. Hi, James. Hello, Mary. I'm a little bit starstruck sitting next to Lynn. <laughs> Can't believe I haven't gone for the selfie yet. Oh, don't worry. We'll all be getting photos at the end. No one leaves the ladies who leave studio without a photo. I love it's a it. I love starstruck it. panel this morning. Look, I thought we'd start off with the heavy stuff this week. It's been a challenging week for rugby league after a series of drug allegations being made. So it started. Last Friday night after the Australia Kiwis match when Kevin Proctor and Jesse Bromwich were, you know, caught on CCTV footage allegedly doing drugs in the early hours of Saturday morning. It then went to Damien Keogh, who is CEO at the Cronulla Sharks, and allegedly after a long Friday lunch, he was caught with cocaine. A young Cronulla Sharks player was also caught this week, and Sean Kenny Dow was also stood down last week after being caught in possession of drugs. Look, the media headlines this week have very much been focused on the NRL and its illicit drug problem. What I think I'd like to say is that it's a society problem and NRL, just like all our sports, is a microcosm of society and is going to reflect the issues prevalent in our society like drug use. What do you think, Lynn? Uh, I absolutely agree with you, Lum. Um, Just because uh, you are an elite group of sports people doesn't mean to say you can dodge society's, you know, bullets, so to speak. Um, I'm sure that, well, we know that um, it's, you know, it's come up in swimming, in Olympic sports. Uh, We know, you know, Lance Armstrong, good Lord, Um, and and all those uh, uh, performance-enhancing drugs uh, are are everywhere in in sport and uh, I think... um, what do they call them, social drugs, are everywhere in society. I mean, I'm sure I'm an AFL girl and uh, and I'm a cricket girl, but I, I, I don't for a minute think that my sports are untouched by these, uh, you know, drugs. But can I just say that I think, and this is a particularly, I think, an NRL issue and an AFL issue, that these young People, I'm going to say men because predominantly it's men. I'm not saying it's not in the women's AFL, but uh, let's just say these young men have so much so soon in their lives. They get injured. I know the AFL have really um, moved to um, make sure that the young men have, um, you know, something else other than their sport. They have a trade or they're studying or whatever and I'm sure the NRL are on board and trying to do that too if they're not already. But it's so important that these young men have something other than that high 
of playing at their best because that's not going to happen for very long. You know, there's injuries, there's, you know, all sorts of things go wrong. So they can't be 24 suddenly thrown to the wolves or conversely, you know, 18, 19, 20 have so much money thrown at them and in the off-season they're partying or even, you know, after a big game they're partying. They need to be educated and education is everything. And I think, uh, yeah, that's probably a good place to start is with these elite sports people. I think it's a really good point that you raise because people often forget that many of these young men are brought into the system at a very young age. They're mm-hmm. taught what to do, when to train, what to eat, and they're thrown a whole bunch of money. And if they don't have anything else in their lives, and I know it's something the NRL has focused on as well, ensuring that they go to university or have a trade so yes. they don't have all this money yeah. and time on their hands. And it leads, I mean, apart from anything else, apart from the drug problem, it leads to depression. And we all can name instances where that depression has ended in the worst possible scenario, particularly in NRL, uh, in all elite sports. So I think it's it's fundamental that the AFL and the NRL, I, I use them specifically because I don't think it's as endemic in cricket, and though, but I'm sure in in the states it's there in the, in the baseball and in their in their league. But here I think the NRL and the AFL have a duty of care to their players to um, make sure that they have something after their career, something they can look forward to, something that makes them feel as good as they did when they were on the field scoring that try or that goal. My thoughts on this, Mary, really come down to the one common denominator of those four instances you spoke about at the top of the program, and that's that these players all made and a chairman all allegedly made a bad decision with a lot of beer in the belly and very early in the morning. I think when you have a look at Sean Kenny Daly's out in the town, I think it was about 1am, mm. he was allegedly caught. Uh, Kevin Proctor and um, and Jesse Bromwich, that was about 5am outside a nightclub. And when you, you hear how that story unfolded, you go, dear, oh dear, how'd they get themselves in that situation? Uh, the young Sharks player, early hours of Sunday morning and Damien Keogh, long lunch, gone wrong to, in the evening. So... The choices that they're making that are allegedly involving drugs are all when they're under the influence of alcohol Mm -hmm. and getting themselves in that Mm -hmm. situation. You think back to that comment from Wayne Bennett years ago, nothing good happens after midnight. So it's it's about making wiser choices earlier in the night to avoid making the bad ones further on. Mm -hmm. But that's education. Well, it is. It is. That is education across the board. What the hell are they doing drinking in the season? This is sort of my my question as well. Like I'm not a drinker at all. I don't do drugs. I'll just put that out there as well. But – These players, their responsibility is to be physically elite athletes. That's their job. I don't expect them to win every week, but I expect them to be in peak physical condition. If you're going out and drinking excessively and doing drugs, how is your body going to be in peak physical condition? That's sort of my question. I don't get it. I don't really understand. It's a good point because your body is your tool. That's right. Of of your trade. Uh, That's right. And you think about it and a lot of people talk about because there's been a lot of discussion uh, with this drug thing and you know, how players, after games, they, they, they struggle to sleep. And so they, they just go, well, if I'm not going to sleep, maybe we'll just get on it and you know, have a few mm-hmm. beers and we'll just roll into the night. Maybe the beers will help you know, put me to sleep. And I, I just come back to the fact that educate, look, a lot of education is going on. That's right. um, and uh, listening to Gus earlier this week, Phil Gould, saying, look, there's not much more the clubs can be doing. And I, I found 
I almost found it farcical that uh, the Gold Coast Titans and the Melbourne Storm got cranky at the New Zealand Rugby League for not having a curfew on the players. I mean, you're talking about the captain in Jesse Bromwich. They're grown men. They are grown men. (laughs) They can make a decision on when and where they're going and and what they're doing. (laughs) Well, apparently not. It's just – it's a really hard situation to solve and I don't think you can. There's obviously – Rugby league is, in a way, a reflection of society. It is a societal issue. These young guys are getting swept up in it. My point is – Get to bed early. Have a couple of beers and go to bed early. Just have, bed. Some, have, some, right. have some discipline earlier to avoid putting yourself in that situation because those bad choices are happening when you've had a dozen beers. Yeah, absolutely. But when you've had a dozen beers and you're going out yep. and you think, yay, that's a good idea, I'm going to do that or, well, you know, hell's bells. I was, you know, 25 once too and, you know, I just thank God that there wasn't <laughs> social media around. It's a good right. point, that one too, <laughs> going out because yes. uh, the Panthers got slammed in the media recently for for having a curfew on their players in Melbourne and because a couple of players, including their captain Matt Moylan, broke it and went out in the town. And so they got put, uh, stood down for a game the following week. The club got criticised for being too harsh. But the Panthers, they've been vindicated by this yes. because they would rather their players have 12 beers in the team hotel behind closed doors yeah. than have 12 beers at a bar and a guy comes up and goes, hey, mate, you want you some wanna, Coke? Yeah, exactly. Let's do this. Like, and put yeah, themselves in that situation. Absolutely. So I just uh, – after what what's happened in the last week, I just yeah, in house parties keep didn't, it behind closed. Didn't doors. the Roosters a year or two ago? Oh, is it uh, Ricky Stewart? Is he still? Um, yeah, Raiders still, coach at the moment. Yeah, and he was the Roosters, and was. hasn't he? Doesn't he have a blanket? Ban on drinking. So I feel this in the was season. two years ago yeah. with Trent Robinson, but I feel like it was actually the players themselves yeah. that imposed the yeah. booze ban. It's a, it's a hard thing to do. It is a really hard thing to do. There's a lot of players involved, and did you do it to the first grade squad? What about you know, the next level down, mm. the next level down? Is it club wide? You know, one player slips up and then, you know, what's the punishment? There? Is it the coach as well? Uh, like, is it the yeah. coaching staff? Coaching staff. Yeah. How far does it go? Stop the fans from drinking well, too. <laughs> <laughs> Prohibition. Well, I mean, but Ricky Stewart did do it, didn't he? And he and weren't people kind of given the, the hoik because they, they broke that ban? Well, you can set yourself up for a fall with it and, and some unnecessary drama for the club because – all of a sudden people are looking out to see if you can spot the Roosters player at the pub, you know. Or and even with a glass. Is that a water like, oh, or a gin and tonic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. It's Damned a tough do, one. They don't. It is very tough, but I, it's education at, at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think the NRL and I know the AFL as well are doing mm. a lot of work in this space and I just think it's difficult, but mm. it is a society issue. It's something that the yeah. NRL is also dealing with. And Bracey, I actually really like your point. Go to bed earlier. Yeah, Just I mean, go it's, to bed it, it's easy to say that. I'm all for. Do you know what? Maybe it's because I'm getting old, but I just love staying. If I'm going to have a few beers, I, I'd rather yeah. just be at home. Because you haven't got to drive. Have or, my friends over, cook, yep. yeah, have a barbie, sit around the dining table and have a Absolutely. good chimay there. Then I'm not paying 12 bucks for a beer over the bar. I don't have to think about getting there and getting home. And it's just, oh, show, I'm, show I'm with you. I'm, just, and I'm we have friends enjoyable. come around we go, just. Bring your sleeping bag, yeah. crash. Exactly. You know, I've got a spare room. Seriously, even at my age, <laughs> to say, come on, bring your sleeping bag and crash. I'm beyond all that. I have cups of tea now. Like yeah. that's oh. what I'm doing on a Friday night, having oh. a cup of tea and watching How the a cup. I the do best. like my red wine, I have to say. I'm a bit – I love my yeah, wine. with a good steak. Anyway, yeah, we yeah, digress. Absolutely. We <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit early to be talking about <laughs> wine and steak. Uh, it's 5 p.m. Yeah. somewhere. <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, look, should we get on to some footy? Let's talk yes. about – Yes, yes, yes. So let's start off with the game between the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. The Cowboys won this game 30 points to 14. 
Bracey, Bulldogs fans would not have been happy after this performance. No, and I think it's shown to them that life without Josh Reynolds might be a little bit tough. I know they've got Kieran Foran. They, they signed him this week for next year onwards, but, gee, they missed him. They missed him in attack. And just that energy that he showed and vice versa. You look at what uh, when we have no Jonathan Thurston there for the Cowboys – uh, and Michael Morgan steps up. Man of the match performance is outstanding. Probably secured himself a Queensland jersey and maybe a starting one if Jonathan Thurst isn't there with that shoulder injury for game wow. one. I was really happy about Michael Morgan because when he was announced in the Australia squad, people were a little bit critical. But yeah. I think he had his best game of the season this year. He set up the game's first try for Cohen Hess. And then he did it eight minutes after the break to set up Cohen Hess again. And I love Cohen Hess, can I just say? What about him? He's in form at the moment. He's clocking up try after try and uh, he comes off the bench. Yeah, that's and right. And now everyone's asking, well, does he play for Queensland? And if he does, is he on the bench? He's just – I love seeing the, this next generation coming through. And, boy, Queensland just spoiled for choice too, aren't oh, they? Oh, I know they are. Lynn, you were saying you weren't sure whether you're a Queensland or a New South Wales fan. <laughs> because I'm a Melbourne Storm girl, you yeah. see. And so, you know, Cameron and Billy and, and Cooper and, of course, once upon a time, Greg and and Israel. I think uh, – Israel Flower X? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at the – the uh, Queensland squad and and it's half a Melbourne Stormer in there and and mm. um, I just I love it and I, I'm a big fan of, of Jonathan Thurston and and who's the one that plays for Manly with all the hair the big uh, oh I'm trying to think uh, I think it plays all the Manly. hair uh, is it Manly Ma- I'm sorry Marty oh, Marty, Marty, yeah, no, no 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 origin. Uh, no, it, maybe he's not manly. Um, anyway, that shows you how much I know about the NRL. I'll, I'll think of it. Oh, um, Sam Thardo. Yes, yes. Sam Thardo from yes, the Broncos. Well, he's also been in the media this yeah. week as well. Yeah, he used to have a lot of hair and he's built like, oh, you know, yeah. a brick. Like a, a brick, you know, was. <laughs> he's got a lot of hair on his head and a lot on his body too. Every time we cross oh, to him in the sheds, uh, he's in yuck. his dickies. Oh, no. So, oh, he gets it. the yuck, rug yuck, out. Yuck. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, um, t- I, I, ca- I can't lose with Origin True. because I'm a New South Wales girl, um, although I do um, have a, ver- a big heart that lives in Melbourne because our daughter was born there. Um, and But half my team played for Queensland, so, you know, winner, winner, win. chicken dinner. <laughs> well, look, even if the Melbourne Storm players don't, like when they retire and if there's a changing of the guard with players like Cohen Hairs, you'll yep. keep loving Queensland because oh. he is an absolute superstar. He's yeah. a back rower and sits at the top of the uh, the try scoring list for this year with other people like, you know, Suliasi Bunavalu, Jordan Rapana and James Roberts. So he's a super talent. Wow. Wow, that's great. It's gr- so good to see the young ones coming up. It really is when you go, I've never, like me, I've never heard of him. But I'm sure. You'll hear about I'll it now. That now I've heard that name. He will be, you yep. know. North Queensland Cowboys, you can thank me later. I've, I've can joined. I just say my sister, who wouldn't know a ball, to be fair, if it hit her in the head, but <laughs> she um, is a Canterbury Bankstown supporter because mm. my nephew worked for um, the Bulldogs. James. James. Yes. Do you know James? Do you James know, Peters. I do know James. This happened yesterday. I was sitting at a lunch and someone asked me who I was having on the show and I mentioned you and they said, oh, she's um, auntie to one of my best mates, James. And I was like, there, there you go. go. Yeah, so yeah. Well, there you so go. James, but James is now working for St. George That's right. um, uh, Illawarra. And uh, he does uh, marketing and he does fans and blah, blah, blah. But my sister is like, no, I can't move. I'm I'm a bulldog till the day, born and bred bulldog she's got on the back of her car. I'm like, yeah, my fat aunt. <laughs> really, seriously. She hasn't got a tattoo on her though. <laughs> no, but I, no okay. I'm sure she's Leave considering. <laughs> but she would be dead.
devastated. Mm. Or as the Kiwis would say, devastated. Devastated, bro. <laughs> We've got it all this morning. (laughs) There were another two games that have already happened. Let's talk about Dragons and Sharks. The Sharks won this game 18 points to 14. Bracey, I was expecting this game to be a bit better. Yeah, I thought one, it would be better. And two, I actually thought the Sharks would win comprehensively. I just thought Dragons, no Widdop, no Mm. Dugan. Uh, no no chance. But it just shows uh, that while that bubble has burst slightly, because a couple of losses now recently against the Storm, mm-hmm. now the Sharks, they're still a decent team without them. I think in particular that forward pack as well. Uh, Vaughan de Bellin, they just really impressed What about impressed the me. Vaughan to pack a pass oh, for the try? Pack is having a great season <laughs> too. And wasn't he loving that try? I think it was his first in a couple of years. I love when well. a big man scores a try. There's uh, just nothing more yeah. joyful. They're so excited. Oh, Sam, <laughs> and we'll talk about it surely, but Sam Burgess getting two. Uh, and he'll be telling everyone, about that for weeks. But uh, look, it, there's a form reversal thing going on in the league at the moment. So we're getting to that stage of the year where teams start playing each other for a second time. And the two games on Friday night, you had the Dragons had beaten the Sharks earlier this year. The Sharks turned the tables on them. And then the match after that, uh, the Tigers won round one and then the Rabbitohs beat them in mm-hmm. round 10. So things, it's just showing this. But that's what I love about it. the inconsistency in results in the NRL. It keeps us interested in it and, and just shows that on your day, anyone can win. Yeah, I think for the Sharks, it was a really gritty performance yeah. because – their completion rate, I think, was like 69%. They're compared good at to that. the Dragons, 93%. They made 14 errors, yeah. and some of them were really poor errors as well, just dropping a, the ball. They do make a lot of mistakes, the Sharks, but they just grind out I wins. Know. They're like the Storm, and that's why they won the Premiership last year. They, they win ugly. And, and if you look back in history, the, the the best teams are the ones that will win even when they're having a bad day. Yeah. And and the Sharks have just got a way about them at the moment. They've got a strong squad. They're they're pretty much injury free. So I just I think they they are everyone sort of wrote them off at the start I of did. the year. Yeah. I did. So did I. I, did. I just thought there's no way they can back up. You know they lost Ben Barber. Michael Ennis I thought was the biggest Me loss. Me too. But they're surviving. They're surviving without them. Jaden Braley's been great at number nine. How's the storm going? Oh. I, they deserve to be premiership favourites. And it's just Cameron Smith. I mean, yeah, yeah Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk. And, yeah, he's amazing. And they've got that added, added motivation too, Lynn, of, of knowing that Cronk's leaving at the end of the year. Yes. They, they want to send him out a winner. He's going uh, up to Sydney and we don't know if he's going joining up with the club. Is yeah. that so true? So who knows oh, what's no. going on with oh, Cooper? Do you reckon there's a bit of a... Well, he'll be good. A... He'll be good at whatever he does, whether he goes in the media full time or right. whether he ends up. I think rugby got a line put through it this week, and so it should. Like why? Would oh, switch well, codes why do people ridiculous. say that? Oh, it's just a headline. People click on it, you know, a bit clickbait, and That's it was it. never going to happen. Mind you, let's be honest. Rugby need all the help. Oh, oh yeah. look, yeah. I think oh, it's going to take more than Cooper Cronk to save rugby union in this country. A nation. Yeah. My of Cooper Cronk. Is it right that there hasn't been one win? I know, geez, we're digressing here again. Oh, but right. There hasn't been one win from an Australian Super Rugby team against a Kiwi Super Rugby team the entire competition. That's I mean, that, exactly right. It's a that scares the hell out of me. I watched the Waratahs last week because I was with a mate that loves them. It was just horrible to watch. It truly was. We just the, have lo- lost our mojo. Yeah, but you know what? Completely. The game. I think the sport has lost its mojo a bit here, too. It's I very, agree. very, it's very hard to watch. I think they lost their way at grassroots level. There's not as Many um, as much talent and coming yeah, through. They and put, they've got the shoot, yeah. the shoot which, shield on you know the what? telly. I would watch shoot shield That's a, the thing. any day over super rugby. I would, I, club rugby, I love it. I think it's the thing. In 10 years, we'll have shoot shield and people will be saying super what? Yeah. Like no one will remember but super also, rugby. I mean, look, I don't pretend to. I understand rugby union less than I understand rugby league. But it there are so many rules. Mm. 
It's so too complicated, too kicking orientated. Too complicated, and the northern hemisphere play a different game mm. to the southern hemisphere. We play a tr- we try to get tries. The northern hemisphere kick get field kick, po- kick, get kick. field position. Tactical. It's very yeah. tactical. Uh, England ruined it. England ruled it for the moment they came out here and that won the 2000, Johnny, yeah, Johnny Johnny Wilkinson, Wilkinson. <laughs> 2003 World Cup. It was all based for them on just field position, getting down the other end because they knew whether it was on the tee or a drop goal, he would he would get the points for them. And it's it's been like that ever since. That was my mother's 80th birthday. Oh, we were at the revolving restaurant and we had pl- uh, tables of palms uh. behind us. In Oh, it was just... Oh, it was gut-wrenching. Having said that, after the game, the streets were alive and, and arm-in-arm, Aussies and Brits walking down the street chanting, drink, you know, having a drink. It was a good game. It was, Yeah, but bloody Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson. Everyone remembers Johnny Wilkinson, <laughs> don't they? He's such a nice bloke, though. That's the worst yeah, thing about it. You, you want to hate him. But, but you yeah, can't, right? You can't. You can't, right? <laughs> now, one more rugby There was one more rugby yeah. league game. Oh, yes. There was one more. West Tigers and the Rabbitohs. This one was another hard game to yeah, watch. I'm not going to lie. Our Thursday and Friday night games this week on nine, just they were over by half time. Really, yep. when, when you looked at both of them, it's just ah, it, oh, it's really disappointing because you, you you just you want entertainment. That's what and, and that's what rugby league's so good at. You know, you, entertainment, you, yeah, entertainment right. value. But uh, look, the Bunnies they surprised me. They were flogged by Manly two weeks earlier, but I reckon the bye was the best thing that happened to them. And all the changes Michael Maguire made before the match, he just turned the squad on its head about. T- Time yep. Cody Walker had to, to pull back. Yep. And look, I know they wanted to persist with Alex Johnston in the wake of Greg Inglis's injury back in round one against the Tigers. Uh, but I think moving him to the wing, Cody Walker back to fullback, John Sutton into 5'8 from the forward pack, it worked wonders last night. I think they'll stick with that. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, Cody Walker had, what, two tries, eight tackle breaks, He's a and gun. 166 metres. He was absolutely incredible. The Tigers have really lost their way. Yeah. Uh, missed tackles last night, 58. Mitch Moses had nine missed tackles and Teddy Tedesco, who I never – who always has a great game, but last night he missed four tackles as well. They've lost their way. How do you miss a 120-kilogram bloke? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want he to know. didn't – and that's – I tell you what, James Tedesco, everyone says he's the shoe-in for number one fullback position in New South Wales state of origin, but watching him last night – could he possibly, if he has another, well, we've got one more match next week before the squad's announced. If he has another bad game, Laurie Daly and Peter Stilling got a bit of a conundrum on their hands, whether or not they go with him. I mean, I know he played in last year's series, but is he playing his way out of a jersey? A jersey. Who, who's your pick? Who? Well, I mean, they they could. If they're not going to play Matt Moylan in the halves, if they're going to go with the Pierce-Maloney mm. combination, then you could have Moylan at fullback. You could. You could do that. But then again, he hasn't been in That's form That's the other either. thing. Like, I don't see Matt Moylan being in great well, then Jared form Hayne. either. I mean, do you go – because they're talking about Jared Hayne in the centres. They say he's an origin player. He will be in that squad. He will be somewhere. So they have to play him in the forwards. They will. Well, and that's the, I mean, the Gold Coast are playing Jared Hayne in the centres because apparently he's not exactly fit as they want him to be. So could you have him at fullback for New South Wales or, origin? I wouldn't want to be choosing that team. No, I wouldn't want to be either, particularly against such a strong Queensland side. I'm going to ask you quickly, Bracey, which game are you looking forward to the most this weekend? I am, and not just because it's on nine live and free, uh, <laughs> but I, I think, and Andrew Johns uh, said it to me when we were doing our tips uh, for the website on uh, Thursday, he said the Roosters and the Eels will be game of the season oh, so yes. far. So that's at Allianz. I think it'll be a beauty. Eels are doing really well. They've won four on the trot. Fantastic. You guys just keep going. I'm an Eels fan, so it's really nice (laughs) to hear someone else on my show talking about how well they're doing. I I live in the hills, so my nearest team 
is Parramatta Eels and an old ma- mate of mine I went to college with. He is like died in the wool yeah. para. And I have to say I've got a soft spot for him, really. Oh, bless you, Lynn. Yeah, You're welcome really... in this studio yeah. anytime. <laughs> the double header will be a cracker too uh, in Brisbane, Saturday night footy as well. You've got Broncos, it's an away game for them at Suncorp Stadium against which Manly, which is weird. And before that, the Storm taking on the Titans too. Oh. I reckon, I'm tipping an upset there. I reckon the Gold Coast will beat Manly. Nah, never. Sorry, <laughs> Where are they playing? Up They're there. They're in Brisbane, yep. Yeah, but you see, you've got to remember that the weather won't affect our boys because most of them are from Lazy. Queensland Very anyway. True. They're from flipping whoop whoop in Queensland. Jared Hayne will have a blinder. There you go. There okay. you go. That's Brainsy's right. tip. Well, uh, I'll tip the storm, of course. Of course, course you will. In a game where the contribution of Indigenous players continues to grow, it's a real joy to see the 16 NRL clubs so completely embrace NRL Indigenous round this year. This year we'll see all 16 NRL clubs wear Indigenous-inspired jerseys during the round for the first time. This morning joining us is NRL Ambassador George Rose. Good morning, George. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very well. Now, George, where are you this morning? I'm actually up in Brisbane. I'm uh, preparing for the double header tonight. It's um, you know, it's obviously the biggest biggest matches of the round. So, um, yeah, exciting day up here in Brisbane. And I understand that you've been spending time with the clubs this week, educating teams on the importance of the round. Which clubs have you worked with, and what key messages have you been sharing? Um, we've got around to most clubs. Uh, I think there was there was only a couple of a uh, couple of clubs that I didn't make it to. Um, Dean Witters actually helped me out. There was a few that we had to double book. So he's um, obviously he's great with his presentations and um, the messaging was just around the, the theme of the round. So the theme of the round is recognition, and that's um, that's there's sort of four aspects to that. That's our the NRL's partnership with Recognise. Um, it's the the 50th anniversary of the 1967 referendum the 25th anniversary of the Mabo decision and the 20th anniversary of the Bringing Them Home report. So these, these four things, I've just been talking to the, to the clubs, both players and staff, um, about the significance of, of each milestone and, and of course, of, of our partnership with Recognise. Hey, George, James Bracey here. Um, firstly, thank you for being so kind to me on my first night at Channel 9 at the All-Stars game earlier this year. You were my first interview. When we're standing up there in Newcastle. I was going to say the same thing to you. <laughs> Don't worry, I was more nervous than you, so oh. I was glad it was you throwing the questions. It made it easy. 41 degrees in Newcastle that day ahead of that game. We were, we were dripping. My shirt was sticking uh. to me. 
Good times. Hey, um, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned the recognise uh, and and what's and behind what's behind that word because on air all weekend we're wearing pins that have got the R and we can we've seen it at the the forty meter line the the zero has been replaced uh, by an R on the field at at every match as well and yeah. it's something that, that I was I didn't know about was unsure of when I got there and and you've given a bit of context to it uh, for us which is fantastic but this is something really close to your heart isn't it and it's not just something that you're jumping on board of this week I mean you were there for the Indigenous all-Stars game earlier this year and I know you'd spent a lot of time um, with players through the week. Is this a year-long thing for you, George? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, in particular, the, the partnership with, with Recognise, the whole whole idea of our partnership is to is to help raise awareness um, about it, which is, you know, by you now knowing about it, that, that means that we're, we're doing our job right there somewhere. So um, the, the thing is, is that there, there's likely to be a referendum in the next 12 to 18 months. So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of good that people know uh, what the context of this referendum will be about. George, this year alone, we've had five Indigenous players make their debut, including Jai Field and Braden Burns. Uh, 12% of NRL players are Indigenous and 24% of the players in the Kangaroo squad are Indigenous as well. I feel like not just for this round, but recognition of Indigenous players is extremely important all year round. And I think it's something the NRL does very well. Is that? Do you agree with that? I do agree a hundred percent um and and it's it's true what you say it's a it's a celebration every week um this this week just just um sort of highlights everything and 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 having the theme around it the jerseys and everything is is um is a, a cool way i think for everyone to be able to to embrace the culture and and celebrate it it's um you know it's obviously a culture that's unique to this country um so it makes it all the more all the more enjoyable for everyone i think but um, as you say, the, the Indigenous representation in the NRL, as well as supporters of the NRL, um, uh, is very strong in the Indigenous community. Uh, George, hi. It's Lynn McGranger here. I've got to ask you a very important question. Which Indigenous round jersey is your favourite? Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, this is a tough one. When I was going around to the clubs doing presentations, I was dropping subtle hints. I was looking for the biggest player in the room to sort of see who who wanted to maybe share their jersey with me at the end of the game. Right. Um, obviously, I'm I'm a lot bigger than most players now, so uh, I don't think I'll be getting any of them. Uh, but I, I was lucky enough to play a part in in the selection of the manly jersey. So the way that the manly jersey was um, designed was uh, by offering uh, fans and supporters and members of the club. Uh, the opportunity to to create a design uh, that would be voted on right. as to which to be used. So, so myself and Cliffy Lyons and and some others were were involved in help picking the winner, and, and I think it looks uh, pretty cool. So, um, the fact that I that I got to play a part in that, um, you know, maybe maybe it gets a sneaky sneaky favouritism from me. Well, I'm a Melbourne Storm girl, so how does how does their jersey stand up? Oh, it's outstanding. I actually quite like it, and and it's a it's a jersey that they've that they've continued on from um, I think from the first time they wore it. It was it was designed. Now, look, Peter Robinson explained the story behind this to me. Um, it was de- designed. I think it was designed by the club and, and players and and locals to you know to to be something significant to the Storm, so that uh, there was a lot more meaning to to the jersey not just wearing it um with a design on it it's wearing it with a story behind it that Brilliant. relates to the to the whole club 
Brilliant. And to the and to the playing group as well, which of course is a very indi- the, you know very soul of the indigenous um, you know stories behind the uh, the jerseys. You know they don't just you know put them on for no reason. Yeah, they have every, a, a every meaning. jersey has a story. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I noticed too, George. A lot of the boots have a fair bit of artwork on them too. Some players in last night's game were wearing it as well. I'm always intrigued too about the manufacturing side of it all. How does I wonder how that works with the jerseys and then the boots and like. Just how they get it ingrained, and how long ago did that have to get planned? Um, but it's—I just think it's great how how the game's embracing it as well. And even the um, something else I learned this weekend, George, and we're seeing it before every game too. It, the national anthem done a different way via a poem as well, being read out at every ground. Yeah, yes. Um, I think this is something that that was decided on in the in the last few weeks. Um, the the NRL commission um, passed through that they wanted. They wanted this alternative, uh, or this this anthem poem, to be uh, to be at every game. So uh, it's interesting. It's it's getting conversation started, um, and and who knows, you know, what could happen uh, on the back of that. But I'm I'm absolutely loving the boot painting as well too. It's been um, it was something that I always enjoyed doing. It's 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 not an easy process from what I'm told from the artist, but um, the the result is really good and and you know I, I know a number of the players are actually auctioning their boots off for charity at the end of uh, end of indigenous round two so um, there, there's there's good causes going on left right and center George I think my favorite part of the round is seeing all the stories that are being shared about our indigenous players so when you were speaking about the jersey design before I know that South Sydney's jersey was designed by Cody Walker's uncle which I thought was a was a really cool little story there was also a great story on nrl.com this week about Ryan James and he spoke so passionately about his dream to one day open a home for young indigenous boys to make the transition from their communities to rugby league a lot easier and it's great to see these stories being shared can you tell us a little bit more about some of the other stories and the other work that some of our indigenous players are doing in the community well, the great thing I think about the the Indigenous playing group that we've got in the NRL at the moment is uh, everyone's passionate about their home community. They're proud of where they came from, and they always want to be able to give back. They want to help empower everybody else in their community. Um, you know, people often come from from remote communities where obviously there's not a lot of opportunity and uh, the chance to go on and, and you know play play at an NRL level in rugby league is is uh, seldom seen, but. Uh, they they want to find ways to be able to help their community in, in ways other than you know creating great footballers through through education programs through um, employment opportunities. Um, the guys that we've got now, I really am very proud of. I was lucky enough to get around to all the clubs in the preseason and and conduct uh, a survey with the players, and and um, that was an, an overwhelming thing that that I noticed with with nearly every player in the NRL was that. Giving back to community was it was a key part for them, and uh, guys like Cody have a great story. The, the diversity too, I think, among amongst our uh, playing group is is great. Like you look at a guy like Cody Walker who debuted at 26, and then you've got other guys. Um, you know, Ryan James has, has graduated from a business course, a, a university degree. Sorry, during his playing career, um, we got guys that, that are graduating at that are, that are debuting at age 18. Um, guys debuting at age 26. Clay Priest, another one from uh, from the Canberra Raiders, debuted at age 27 after spending six years as a Sparky. 
Um, so, so we've got such a, a diverse group of players, but um, all all with great intentions and, and very proud cultural men and very proud um, uh, Indigenous men. George, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I hope you enjoy the rest of the round and it's been a tremendous celebration and I know the celebrations will continue for weeks to come. Thank you very much for your support of Indigenous Round 2. So I'm um, looking forward to some, to some great footy today. Well, there's a big, big sound from the west of the town. It's the sound of the mighty giant. Feel the ground is shaking. The other teams are quaking in their boots before the giants. We take the longest strides and the highest leap. We're stronger than the rest. We're the greater Western Sydney giants. We're the biggest and the best. And we will never surrender. We'll fight until the end. We're greater than the rest. It would be ridiculous of me to have you on Ladies Who League and not talk to you a bit about AFL. You must have been delighted with the Swans' 54-point win over Brisbane last week. Oh, Mary, I was at the game. I was lucky enough to be in the chairman's lounge. Uh, I had a lovely lunch and, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed good company. And um, I'm, I was thinking to myself, I mean, I love my Swannies, but I just thought... Can I cope with 7-zip? Can I cope with 7-zip? But I think, uh, you know, I think Horse gave him a proverbial kick up the backside. Um, I think, um, you know, just they just seem to talk to each other, to communicate. I think that's been a big problem. Yes, injuries. We can talk about injuries till the cows come home. I mean, Dane Rampey tripping over a chain at, tra at training and breaking an arm. Mm -hmm. Could you be any more unlucky? Gary Rowan deciding he was auditioning for Circus Oz <laughs> and cartwheeling over somebody landing on his head and his neck. I thought he was dead and I know Gary. I'm, I'm, you know, and I know his mum and I'm good, like, I wouldn't say I'm great mates with him, I'm good mates with him and I was was terrified. I thought he was lying He didn't there. move. He did not move Oof. for four minutes and 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 all um, credit to um, uh, the Carlton, young Carlton fellow, um, oh gosh, sorry, it's gone, Alex, um, his, his, other, his father and brother also play in the... You know, I'm looking at James. He's like, what the? Um, you know, um, his father is a famous Carlton player. His You're talking mother, to leagueies, Lynn. You're was, talking oh, to okay. leagueies. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Anyway, um, lovely young fellow, new, new to the team, Carlton team, was screaming at the umpires to stop the game and they kept the game going down the other end of the field. Obviously, when the ball moved up, they stopped it then. But it was... Alex Silvani. Thank you very much. Uh, it's Google. Brace Google. the goods. I knew it was the Silvani. I couldn't then. I couldn't think of Joe's name. Um, so, yeah, he was screaming like a banshee to stop the game. But, uh, look, that aside, um, uh, you know, and, and with Tippett, who was so bendy, breakable, lovely man, but, you know, he's like, you know, snappy man. Yeah. Just snap him in half. He's the Josh Dugan of the AFL. Injury every week. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, of course, you know, poor Alex Johnson hasn't played since 2012. And But to the Swans' credit, he's still there. And, you know, one day, one day he might come back. We just had... Injury after injury. Um, so 
and, and they weren't communicating on the field and they'd lost their mongrel. Mm. And and uh, I don't know, I can't explain that. Having mongrel doesn't mean you go out and punch the, the living it's daylights. It's just that little bit like a Michael Ennis sort of player. It's like edge. it's the niggle. Yeah, it's, it's just the a little edge bit of niggle. And, it's like, and, of course, it was back in full mm. swing with uh, – I don't know what the guy's name was um, that, that – uh, that punched Buddy and then Buddy turned around and did a bit of a shirt punch. Neck minute, he's on the ground having the hell. But it's punched out of him. Buddy's like, it's like, dude, you're about 30 kilos and Buddy's on the ground at 300. This is not a great move. And I thought, oh, somebody's going to go. The umpires have obviously gone, nah, leave it. They, it. It wasn't on camera, I don't think, although I believe that the commentators were going on and on and on about Buddy puncher jumping this guy who just pushed him in the back. But anyway, um, so it was just lovely. It was so exciting and I know... No, Brisbane are the youngest players in the league, and and to be fair, the Swans are the third youngest. Mm. They're not. Everybody thinks they're the, uh, one of the oldest. They're not, not anymore. Not anymore. You've got Oliver Florent. You've got Nick Newman. You've got Will Haywood. You know, you've got all these young blokes who are barely out of nappies, and they're playing so well. And you know, Will Haywood's kicking goals, and it, it you know, and who's the dude with the man bun? Uh, oh, Jordan Foot. Um, you know, not that he he hasn't played very well, and not very often. But uh, that's my thing about man buns. But anyway, <laughs> let's not let's not talk about man buns. Um, just normal head. And you know who's playing like exceptional? <laughs> Sorry, uh, you know who's playing exceptional footy is? Um, I'll never forget Grundy. Grundy, who's now got the worst haircut in the league. Yes. He did have a man bun. Now he's done something weird. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, it's so exciting to see them with their mongrel back, and uh, they're playing Norths, of course. Today, can they win? Do you know what? I reckon they can. I reckon they can. I, uh, they're playing down there. Some uh, people aren't picking them, but I, I have a feeling that now that they've t- tasted mongrel again, they, they can come back and do it. For me, if the Swans want to play finals, this is an absolute oh. must-win game for them. And the Roos have had a decent start yes, to the season. Yes, they absolutely So have. they're going for three wins in a row for the first time since, you know, round seven to nine yeah. last year. So good on the, the Roos. St- the stakes are very, very big. Um, I, uh, My friend uh, Shane Withington, who plays John Palmer on the show, most people will remember him as Brendan from A Country Practice, Brendan and Molly. Um, but you guys are all three and a half, so you're looking at me like, <laughs> what is she talking about? But your listeners will know what I'm saying. Um, but uh, he said to me, he's also a Swans ambassador, and he said to me last week, he said, we are going to win today and we're going to win every single game for the rest of the season. Ooh. I went, oh, dude, I love your positivity. I'm loving it. I love so spirit like I that. I love it. I love it. And so he's, he's got the first one right. <laughs> Yeah, look, so, he's got one yeah, for one. But you're absolutely right. We need to come back with – and Gary Rowan's back, which is great. Um, Tippett, um, no, he's emergency, so he probably won't play unless Tippett decides to audition for Circus Oz again, oh, and, uh, which he's not. And then um, Rampy is back next week. So that is a big one because I think we're missing that, that speed. Now, Lynn, I have to be honest, Britt will be very happy that you've been talking about the Swans for so long. She loves the Swans. Good I girl. can't take it anymore. I'm a Giants fan. Bracey, what uh, about you? Do you love your AFL? Look, I, as everyone did in this area, um, when the Swans were the only team in town, I was always a Swannies fan. And 
I like what the Giants have brought. I like some rivalry. I like some crosstown rivalry. I like that they don't like each other. And I like it that it's a real rivalry now. Mm. You know, it's not that little brother, big brother thing anymore. No. You know, the Giants are winning some. Uh, they do They do probably target the player over the ball a fair bit. They do. They <laughs> absolutely do. But that's because of um, uh, Leon Cameron, ex-Hawthorne. That's the way Hawthorne play. That's my view. Um, I just think they play the ball. They play the man. Not There's the a ball. bit of genuine hate there, though. There and is. I, and I love it. I love it. That's great. You know, that's it's a, that's why we love Origin. I that's wonder exactly how Heathshaw and Reshaw cope because I Reshaw trains our our um, uh, reserves, our our juniors, um, and he is hilarious and fun and terrific, and and Heathshaw is a mongrel. <laughs> He's a funny mongrel. But also the same in, in s- like funny and entertaining and that cheeky yeah. player off the that field is, as well. Oh, very – they must have great I – mean, I don't know how their parents cope. No. I, that, <laughs> Nothing breakable in the house. Nah, yes. <laughs> I think there's one thing you can take solace in as a Swannies fan if you do go back to your losing ways after this weekend is – that Hawthorne are at the bottom end of the ladder too. Do you know what? That makes me happy. Isn't that an awful thing to say? It just makes me happy. Although there's a part of me, like I used to hate Collingwood. Who didn't? (laughs) You know, who who doesn't hate Collingwood unless you're a Collingwood supporter? But now I think because I always quite like Nathan Buckley and and I do really like, um, what's his name, the captain? Oh, uh, Scott Pendlebury. Scott Pendlebury. Mm. I like him. I, I know his his wife who's he, about to have a baby. And he's, he's going to leave the game midway through. Minute. If if yeah. she's going to if she goes into labour, he's going to run off the pitch into his car and go straight Good to the Good on him, Good I say. On him. Good on Absolutely. him, I say. Yeah. So, but it. so I don't hate them anymore because they're in struggle town like us. Isn't it weird? And mentally I find myself going, oh, well, yeah, Hawthorne, yeah, I don't like them. I really don't like them. But they're losing. And so the part of me is going, oh, I don't hate them as much anymore. But I think that's why I hate the Giants because they're doing so well. But having said that, I don't really dislike Geelong an awful lot. I love Adelaide. I think Eddie Betts is the best thing since sliced bread. I love that man. I hope they win it this year. I, love I do too. Yeah. And do you know I what? Do Post too. Patrick Dangerfield as well. Yes. You know, he left absolutely. and everyone went, you know, it's like the Andrew Johns to the Knights. Uh, you know, when, yeah. he, when he went, everyone, oh, you know, they're, they're dead yeah, and buried. Right. And unfortunately for the Knights, you know, they obviously haven't won a premiership since he left. Yes. But everyone thought the same thing, you know, that same concept with Paddy Dangerfield yeah. going to Geelong and the Crows have and kicked you, on without him. Exactly. And you know what? That to me is the, is the absolute mark of a great, team yep. that you can lose one or two of your top players and still still uh, continue and do well. And they didn't do it straight away. No. They've worked their True. way up. Hawthorne have done it with our buddy. Exactly. Yeah, but they... Hawthorne do have Squirrel. Um, <laughs> Cyril Rioli. How good is he? Yeah, he's fabulous. He is fabulous. And he's one of those ones like when Buddy was at Hawthorne, we were like, I can't stand that man. Nick Minute is it Swan? It's like, <laughs> buddy, I love marry me, marry me. I Ooh. love you. But he is a champ, an absolute champ. And, uh, you know, he's um, fitted into Sydney life very well, as most six foot six Indigenous <laughs> players do. Certainly has. Said no one ever. <laughs> it's interesting that you mention Adelaide Bracey because they're a club that I've really enjoyed this year because they've been so successful, not just in the men's, but also in the women's. Yeah. So they were outstanding. And the AFL mm. announced this week that the AFLW will be expanding in 2019, which is very exciting. Yes. Lynn, that's another <gasps> reason that I love the Giants because they've got a men's and women's team. They have. And that is great. I don't know who made that decision. I think it's wonderful. And I do absolutely follow the Lady Giants. Woohoo! 
absolutely follow them and I'd like to see them do well um, up until the time that the Swans have a team and then I'll be like, those bloody lady <laughs> giants. <laughs> bloody lady giants. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff them. I was in- interested to see, though, they haven't expanded for next season. So they've obviously thought they'd just consolidate what they've got. In, mm. you know, in, that's clever. Yeah, I think it actually so. is. A bit of patience. And the AFL, so the AFL, very good with that. They do, they don't get too far ahead of themselves. And I think we've seen it with the Big Bash. Make the most of what you got now. Bet it all down. And now they're going to expand. You know, yes. Well, a handful of years after it started. And I think you know they they fast tracked the competition they to come did. in this year. Rather, I think it was twenty twenty. It was initially slated for. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a that was a wise decision. It was very un AFL to rush it in so quick. But we saw how big big a success it yeah. was. And Huge. not not charging for tickets. I thought was a great idea because just the scenes. I like seeing the AFL CEO have to stand outside the ground and apologise to fans that they couldn't um, get in anymore. Unbelievable. In, in the normal yeah. competition, the men's competition, that would be bad press. In this yeah. circumstance, it was great press. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it just showed how far the game has come and, and to see the women involved like and they those, have been. Well oh, my gosh, those women are unbelievable, yep. aren't they? Fantastic. Can we just digress a little bit? You mentioned the We're Big Bash. Um, uh, is it still going to be with Channel 10? Oh. This season. This season, this and then is and then it's at nine who knows? seven. Well, nine seven. It'll there is definitely going to be a bidding war for it'll it. It'll be up for yeah. grabs. Yeah, the cricket Australia. It's an interesting scenario for them because international it, the, the Ashes is big. India and Australia will be, always be big. Uh, probably South Africa as well. But outside of that, there's sort of a waning interest in international cricket, and that's something that will come into the rights negotiations. There's a lot of money and uh, been generated out of and interest in the Big Bash. Oh, I love it. It's a, it's, I love it too. It's a great product, uh, whereas international cricket ebbs and flows. You know, one day are they becoming redundant, T20s. Well, after you watch the Big Bash and you get to a T20 and it's not all the big-name Australian players, are you really that into it? So... It's, you know, is it going to be a, a subscription TV side to this where they'll team up with, say, 10 or 9 uh, for the next rights mm. deal? Who knows? And uh, Cricket Australia want as much money as they get, but of there's course. been warnings. We saw in the, the, the press recently that uh, that uh, one of the big firms was advising 9 to either get more for the same price that they're paying now or get out That's altogether. Right. So who knows? Wow. But I would, I'd love to have – I mean, Big Bash on nine. How good would oh, that be? Oh, you'd love it. Oh. You? Look at you. I'd, <laughs> love, I'd love it on seven because we get to go to yeah. the games, <laughs> um, which is a whole other thing. That stupid rivalry. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Can I just say, um, you know, because I can, um, I'm on a podcast. I just think the rivalry between uh, pr- predominantly nine and seven, but tens in there a bit too, mm. in a country as small as Australia with such a small television mm. industry is – absolutely ludicrous and it's literally cutting off your nose to spite your face. You go to the UK, which has, you know, a population of, what, 56, 60 million, you can be on BBC and you can still go and do I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here on Mm. Channel 4. You can be on, you know, Channel 5 and still go and do Dancing with the Stars on ITV. Nobody seems to care and as long as you're freed up. But here... They would rather pluck out their own eye than uh, free up one of their people to go on a show. It is just, I do not get it. So, Lynn, what do you think, James? Uh, it, it is funny. There's sort of an ownership of, of the town. They've, they guarded very much uh, in TV land here and that's just, right across the but board. But don't you but think they're cutting off their nose to spite their face? Don't you think how much fun it would be to, say, get somebody like, I don't know, myself, who doesn't know an awful lot about cricket but loves it, to go to Channel 10 and somebody like yourself 
to mm. go and talk on the b- big bash. I'd love that. But I was yeah, going exactly. to say, Lynn, there. is this your ploy to get yourself off the Dancing with the Stars list and onto I'm oh, well, Celebrity Get Me Out of that's Here? That's done and dusted. No, no, no. Oh, good Lord. I don't do jungles and I don't eat bugs. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not yet. No, <laughs> never. work on this. Said no one. No, never, never. They asked me to do the English one. Oh, I really? said no. No bugs. No. I do not eat bugs. I'm not having a no. What about a million bucks? No, no. I would not do it. Two? I, no, darling, I wouldn't. <laughs> because I would be make the biggest galara myself. I'd be the one going, ah, get it off me, get it off me. No, I can't. And I really yeah. take my hat off to people who do yeah. it. I think they're mentally challenged, but I think good on them if they are prepared to do so it. So what we've learnt this morning, Lynn McGranger is a massive Sydney Swans fan. James is very good on the Google and yes. Lynn is not going on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. No, Never. Let's ever. wrap it up and we'll come back in a sec. This is In what was a cool little story this week, 37 women from 20 different countries will come together at the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania in June in an attempt to break the Guinness World Record for the highest altitude football game ever played. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. I also wanted to congratulate the Australian women's water polo team who won gold at the FINA World League Intercontinental Tournament after defeating the US 10 points to 7. You definitely learn something new every day and this week I learnt that the Australian croquet team became croquet champions for the first time in 82 years. The team is going to be bringing home the McRobertson International Croquet Shield following fierce competition in San Francisco against competition from England, New Zealand and the US. It's been a massive week for the Gillaroos this week. It started with the announcement last week that the Australian government is providing $500,000 for the Rugby League World Cup for the women at the end of the year. Then the Gillaroos defeated the Kiwi Ferns in Canberra 16 points to 4. And then it was also announced this week that Harvey Norman will be the official partner for the Gillaroos heading into the World Cup. I want to thank Harvey Norman for continuing to be a company that talks the talk and walks the walk when it comes to supporting women in sport. On to ladies who leg spin. And this week the ICC announced it had doubled the prize money for the Women's Cricket World Cup. And every game is going to be available through live stream. So for the first time ever, every ball will be covered live with 10 matches broadcast on TV and the other 21 matches live streamed. It's serious broadcast too with 30 cameras and 8 additional Hawkeye cameras for ultra motion ball tracking. It seems that it's not just me and Brute who love women in sport. Research from Nielsen Sports has shown that women's sport is already hitting almost 5 million eyeballs annually. 8.72 million consumers aged over 18 are now interested in at least one major women's sporting league and 47% of all sports fans now have an interest in either the WBBL, the W League, AFLW or Super Netball. This one's for you, Britt. Big congrats to Sydney FC who beat Melbourne Victory 4-2 in a penalty shootout to win the A-League Grand Final last weekend. What I also loved was Sydney FC coach Graham Arnold coming out and apologising that the victory came off the back of penalties. This week, Sydney is definitely sky blue and I'm hoping that this translates to plenty more luck for teams that wear sky blue in 2017. Also wanted to shout out to my Parramatta Eels who this week were one year on from the salary cap breach. It seems so long ago now that Todd Greenberg made the announcement of those penalties, but it's a joy to see how far the club has come and to have a stable board and under the leadership of Bernie Gurr. And finally, I also wanted to congratulate Ryan Carters, who yesterday announced his retirement from all forms of cricket. 
Ryan is a player that I tremendously respect, particularly for his work off the field with batting for change. So I wish him all the best in this next chapter and know that the best is yet to come. We've come to the end of another episode and can I just say that this has been one of the most entertaining Ladies Who League episodes we have ever had. Lynn, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure, love. It has been a joy. Like You are welcome here anytime oh, to talk sport. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. And Bracey, it's been great to meet you this morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Mary. Can I get, have my selfie with, with Of course Lynn you can. Okay, of course you can. As long as you put it all over social media. <laughs> Done. We're all good. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you're on iTunes, please jump on and leave us a review. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. To all the mums out there, enjoy your special day tomorrow. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Brenda goes down the short side, turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who Lead.